you know, if a child reaches a point of like, mentally, they might not even realize it. I want to just run around. They're not going to be satisfied with a walk just up and down the aisle. But if you do those walks before they reach a point of like, I need to get out of here, it can be super helpful. As we get ready to celebrate the holiday season with family and friends, many parents are dreading that all too stressful trip to visit loved ones. When it comes to traveling with kids in tow, it's all about survival and that is totally okay. Treats for breakfast? Why not? Unlimited screen time? Sure. But when we understand some of the basics of child development and psychology, we can set off on our trip, set up feeling a bit more grounded and a bit less stressed, and that is always a nice feeling. I am so excited today to be welcoming Jenny Moness back to the podcast. Jenny has a background in early childhood education and is the co-founder of Union Square Play and the creator of Mo Mommies. She and I are also two moms who are dedicated to learning about and teaching about Rye parenting philosophy. She's also the mom of two little girls and has a wealth of knowledge in how parents can prepare for traveling both professionally and personally. Today, we're going to give some concrete strategies, tips, tricks, toys to try, but it's also so important to me that I help parents understand the why behind the strategies to help them become educated consumers of parenting advice. So this episode moves beyond suggestions like feeding your baby during takeoff and landing, great strategy, driving overnight during nap times, great strategy, curbside check-in for carry-on bags, all those great strategies. But today we're really going to dive into how we can use what we know about the body and the brain to allow parents to approach family travels with intention. I promise you, you won't find the strategies we're going to talk about today on any BuzzFeed listicle. Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Bren, a clinical psychologist and mom of two. In this podcast, I've taken all of my clinical experience, current research on brain science and child psychology, and the insights I've gained on my own parenting journey, and distilled everything down into easy to understand and actionable parenting insights, so you can tune out the noise and tune into your own authentic parenting voice with confidence and calm. This is Securely Attached. This is a really special treat to have you on the podcast, Jenny. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I'm I'm just really glad that we I get to have this talk. And I always feel like when I travel with my kids, like you're in the back of my head. I'm like, what would Jenny do? Oh my God. I feel like I'm reaching a point where I'm like, what should I do? <laughs> because well, because it changes. And, yeah. And they're getting yeah. older. I actually yeah, it was on, you know, my list of to do to do's last night because we're leaving in this upcoming Sunday. So yeah, it's definitely not like one size fits all, but I can just help with experience and background and what's worked for us. So yeah, I'm happy to talk about anything, travel, play and helping parents. So Yes. I'm so glad. And for anyone who hasn't heard the podcast that Jenny did at the very beginning of our podcast about play and then like the importance of it and the magic of it, go back and listen to that. But Jenny has a really unique experience on play and also as it applies, like the reason why I thought you would be such a great person to come on this for this episode to talk about like travel strategies for kids is that 
we could talk about how you keep kids busy on an airplane, but that's really not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about so much more when we're thinking about traveling with kids and understanding why it's inherently challenging for them and why we sometimes overestimate what they can handle and then we get stressed and frazzled. Yes. I think that that's a great starting point before we get into any like fun things that you could bring that can promise to engage your child and keep them peacefully happy the whole travel time, meaning that stuff doesn't exist, but is really, (laughs) I think, first and foremost, you know, having realistic expectations. I think one thing that I'm so glad you started this out with is me recommending stuff that can help with travel can become a quick trigger and disappointment when we don't have realistic expectations about those things. And that really it's, it's stuff to help and to keep it light and fun and hopeful and to be curious in our kids and how they travel and what's overstimulating and what should be engaging and things like that. It's more just to help with like what everything is with our kids, which is a learning experience. So yeah, I think it's great to start out with making sure that we all have realistic expectations, which is like, we don't really know how it's going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously we don't want to like, you know, dread it or like focus on it going badly, but we also want to prepare for the worst and be pleasantly surprised by things being easier than the other way around. Like, and I think, you know, when we, if, if we want to go into a travel with our children, whether it's a road trip or a flight or just right. spending a lot of time in other people's homes, right? Like what, what are some of the reasons why it's so difficult for kids? Right. And so let's start there. I think we can both weigh in on that, right? Like why understanding the why can help shape our expectations. I think so often we're told as parents don't do this or do that. And I think for us, we need the why, you know, to Mm -hmm. help make it comprehensive and to really get it in those moments. Um, So I think, you know, the, the why of why this, this is hard is first and foremost, you know, it's a change. And I think no matter what for children, we know that they thrive with routine. Any child thrives with routine and knowing what's coming. I think many children can thrive without routine, but I think it's safe to say that every child likes routine or, or benefits from that. And so travel experiences are astray from that. And so that's going to change things up. Some children might be anxious about that. Some might be excited about that. Oh, it's something new. You know, my girls are like, are we going in the middle of the night? You know, they they love that when it's like still dark out. I remember loving that too. But for other kids or, or children who are a lot younger, that could feel scary and confusing. Um, yeah. So keep it, I think that's one thing is, is the big change that comes with a travel experience. Um. I think another one is the overstimulation that we're used to Mm -hmm. as an example, you know, a child might be used to breakfast just at home. And then all of a sudden they're having breakfast in, you know, a public place with a bunch of people around in an airport, you know, I'm giving an example depending on the time. And so, you know, or being changed in public bathrooms with lots of noises. So I think stimulation right from the start of a travel day or even in a car and stopping at rest stops or whatever it is, um, 
is going to be different, different levels of stimulation. It might be under stimulation if they're just in a car um, and they're used to going and being social at school right at the start of the day. Um, and then the, the change in schedule. I think those are the two biggest things that are the whys of why it can, again, not be something to dread, but just be something to expect as, um, you know, a new experience or a different experience. Right. And I love that. I think that's so helpful for parents to remember. Like it's, it could be overstimulation. It could be understimulation. Like how many times are kids like they're stuck in one spot on an airplane? You know, they can't move their bodies. They can't go try something novel. Like when you watch kids play, you know, they flit all over the place. They don't usually sit in one spot for hours playing one thing, even if they're really engrossed in a lot of independent play. Absolutely. And I think that's a big example of, you know, comparing too. you know, you can go on social media, whether it be Instagram or TikTok or anything and see someone like me posting my kids engaging in Play-Doh endlessly on the airplane and be like, get this and then feel like something's wrong when your child might not be engaging in the same way. I think, you know, you see a small window and maybe that helped my kids for 15 minutes and it helps yours for two or it helps another one for an hour. But temperament plays into that, how often you've traveled, how, how interested they are in the material. And that's why, you know, with the tips and things that we give, we hope that some of it can help and we want it to be super open-ended so that each child can kind of use it in their own way that's interesting to them. Um, but yeah, I think you're right that most often children aren't just like sitting with one in one place physically when they're playing. Yeah. And okay, that you bring up a really interesting point, which is that, well, one, not comparing ourselves or our kids to anyone else's kids, but even to like our own kids in an optimal environment, right? Like our kid might be really able to do certain things for longer periods of time or stay regulated or not get frustrated. But all of a sudden we're traveling and all of a sudden my kid feels like a different kid. Like what's up with that? Oh my God. Yeah. And it's at top of mind for me because something that I've, you know, in comparing, we're doing the same trip we did last year and and the year before that. So in comparing my kids now to the kids that they were, forget about other kids, something that I've always leaned into using on trips is Play-Doh and materials. And you know, it hasn't been as much of a sure thing with them, whether it's because I've overdone it or we drove to Montreal a month ago and we were trying to push the Play-Doh for eight hours in the car. I don't know <laughs> the reason, but yeah, it's, it's less of a sure bet. So even me, I'm like thinking, what could I, you know, should I add some like frozen characters? You know, I'm, I'm thinking too, like, who are my kids now? Um, in comparison mm. to themselves and what's worked in the past and and really thinking about what would engage them. I think when you have younger kids, you know, give or take zero to two, that's when it's been more of like a sure thing of something that I'll tell parents, like these are really open-ended materials, like wait to introduce, you know, age appropriately, depending on if it's for babies or older, wait to introduce on the trip. And it's been super successful. But I'm with a three and five-year-old See, seeing that it's not as simple anymore. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to, to figure out what the next few things are. And we, we can talk about that a little. I'm also going to share 
um, on my account too, some things that I'm like hoping and will show in real time whether or not they work. But yeah, I think that's a big thing too, that I want to give a big disclaimer when I give tips or things to bring that it doesn't mean something's wrong if it's not helpful. It just means that we try something else. <laughs> yes. And that flexibility and that willingness to kind of try the next thing and not be like, oh, that failed. What's wrong? Or no, you have to play with this because I, I'm, you're supposed to. That flexibility, I think, comes with managing our expectations, right? And interpreting our children's behavior as in, within the context of, hey, this is a big shift or this is a new environment or this is a big, you know, stretch for them. So if they're having a hard time or things aren't going the way I expected, I'm not getting as frazzled that I'm then, then not getting as rigid. And so if we can be sort of fluid and flexible and say, oh, this isn't working. What else might work and keep going? Like in order to be able to be that flexible, we kind of have to be able to interpret this as like, this is okay. I'm prepared for this emotionally. Exactly. Which is why I wanted to bring that up. And I think also something that I was thinking about sharing this time around when it comes to, you know, things that you can bring with you are ideas. You know, what if things you brought aren't helpful? What else can you do? It doesn't mean you just sit and muscle through, but maybe some ways that you can utilize wherever you are, whether it be an I spy game with specific things or whether it be, you know, a scavenger hunt that you plan out for, depending on if you're in the airport or not, or maybe it's we asked for some paper cups and we create a design by with circles or um, we take some magazine, you know, what can we utilize without buying and buying and or if the things we did buy aren't working by just being in whatever setting we're in. You know, I think so often we think we need something to solve and often we, we underestimate what could just be around us, you know, like a a makeup brush with water and painting that on an airplane or car window is, is an example of, you know, something that I, thought of just because I was like desperate and it was in my bag one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I love needed a makeup brush after that, but <laughs> it <helped. laughs> worth it. Worth the, yeah. worth the investment. But that's really but how I also, learned about all the things that I recommend were in moments like that. So it's okay to get to those moments. It might, someone might be guiding us after enough of those moments. <laughs> Yeah. But it's so like, it's so interesting, right? Because we talk so much about like how we want our kids to play and be creative and have these open-ended opportunities to be, you know, to build their imagination. But like, we also can model that. Like, I think that's so kind of cool, right? Like, hey, I have nothing here. Nothing that I brought is working. Looking around and sort of thinking outside the box and being creative is modeling to our children, like that resilience, right? Like you're not saying, well, I guess we're done trying to play, it's, yeah. well, let's, I've got a, I'm going to problem solve this with something creative by thinking outside the box. That's pretty cool actually to think about because it does double duty, right? It, it, it starts over and tries another, you know, tries to solve the problem of our kids needing something to do, but it also models sort of that resilient problem solving and creative thinking in vivo. Absolutely. And there's something to say about like, if, if, 
you brought like a little bundle of, of things and none of that has engaged your child, maybe they're tired or hungry, Mm -hmm. you know, and also leaning into remembering that too, that it's safe to say that if like nothing is helping your child kind of ground themselves or regulate, if that's what you're experiencing, that it, it might not be that play or engaging in an activity is, is the answer. You know, Mm, right. That's really interesting. Right. Can you talk more about that? Like, you know, when do we say, let's not just keep trying something playful let's just start to go to like basic emotion regulation, basic needs. Like what's the, what do you scan through your head when your kid's like rejecting everything? Yeah. And I think, right. And I'll, I'll speak to that in a second, but I think like, I'm just imagining if recommending something like Play-Doh, if someone's like, oh, my child looked at that and threw it, it, I think it's safe to say that they weren't in a mode of, of play. That being said, you know, when it's something so open-ended like that, I think for, for me, you know, when I kind of know, okay, it's not playtime with my children at this age, they can kind of communicate that. And I'm lucky where they're kind of in tune to say like, I'm tired. Well, at least one of them does. Um, but I think it's more just, you know, throwing things against the wall symbolically, like you you try three things. And if it's like, okay, they're really showing like dysregulation and how they're, you know, maneuvering these materials, whether it be like not even attempting to, to give it a try, like some whining on there, you know, squirming even like, it's just probably not going to do the trick. Um, and then of course, keeping in mind, when did they last eat? how tired are they? You know, of course that we always need to, to remember that. And then knowing that they might get hungrier and more tired differently when we're kind of on the go. Um, and that's also a hard thing though, to kind of, you know, a child's not going to be like, you're right, I'm done playing or a lot of them won't and be like welcoming a nap, but thinking of ways, which is why I like the water and brush to make it like more of a calmer play rather than like a, adding to the exhaustion that they, you might be witnessing. Right. That's actually a really interesting point, right? Cause some play is sort of upregulating and gets them excited and engaged and it's got lots of fun, stimulating things. Some play is more downregulating and like the more like sensory, like sensory rich play can be. So can you talk a little bit too about like the different types of play that you might yeah. want to like pulling out of your bag at certain times. And I think it goes also for screen time, right? Like if your child is engaging with the screen and then they keep asking you to change it or you see they're getting frustrated, it's probably because they're, again, it's, that also is mentally depleting, you know, energy wise. Um, Yeah. So I would think, you know, as I was thinking through what to bring, I, I did, bring some, um, I don't know what you would call it, like candidly, I know, Sarah, you would know this more educationally. I call them manipulatives, but being able to take out, like as an example, I think they're little like foam shapes. And my older daughter, who's five, is very into patterns and like, you know, very basic addition and, and math skills, you know, right now. She's interested in that. So I was thinking that we'd use them to make patterns or say like, can I have two hearts or... Nellie, can you give 
tests an extra hard? How many are there now? That's like a very stimulating, like mind depleting, I think, activity. And I don't anticipate that that's going to engage her the whole time we're on a flight to Florida. So I, I owe that. And then, of course, I did do Play-Doh. But like I said, they weren't as, you know, they play with that like every day. So I was going to add some like figurines and things like that instead of the open-ended like cupcake cups that I usually do. I think they're like cupcake cupcaked out with with the Play-Doh. So I would say that Play-Doh is often like a, a more regulating material because it's so open-ended. Um, whereas the manipulatives are little like shapes and stuff or pattern making or is even like wire and beads, you know, that my girls are into making that, that takes a lot of concentration and focus, even though it seems open-ended. So I think thinking how hard is my child going to be working? And I always think of like Mm -hmm. the sign of your child thinking, like picture your child playing with this. Are they going to be like, you know, their thinking face, whether it be their tongue is out, you know, you, every child has like a thinking expression, picturing how hard you're going to see that expression and for how long and knowing that you can't anticipate that or want that for the entire time. And you need to have like breaks from that in between, Um, whether it's like a crayon and paper for a little bit. So I think having a combination of, of both um, super engaging and super open-ended. Yeah. And super like, I think there's like a a dial that you're kind of conscious about, like how challenging is this task? How many different like cognitive functions is it going to require of them versus how sort of, sort of easy and like, um, simple it can be dialing up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they think similar for us too, right? Like with what we think to do, like we're not going to sit there doing like super strenuous work, you know? Yeah. Or even hard play, like a crossword puzzle or reading a book versus like, I'm going to color a crayon like next to my kid. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I want one and sometimes I want the other. Like my brain has bandwidth. (laughs) Totally. I don't remember the last time I've ever gotten to do a crossword puzzle or read a book when I'm traveling with my kids. But (laughs) when I've got my own time. Thinking about that too, how like, we sometimes are in the mood, you know, whether it be I want to turn on the TV and zone out or I don't want to do that. You know, I think children are similar. They want to, you know, lose themselves in their play. And then other times that's not the mood they're in or it that's just too mentally depleting for, you know, a long, long travel day the whole time. Yeah. And and yes. snacks also in between yes. for sure. So many snacks. And that, that actually makes me think too of like transitions, right? Obviously the big transitions like getting to the airport or then getting on the plane or getting, if you're driving, like stopping, going to the bathroom or getting lunch, like these transitional periods are really hard for kids. But even within their play, there's transitional periods, right? Like we were saying, oh, yeah. like if a kid were really in a play space that was familiar to them, they'd flit all around. Those are all like little micro transitions. So understanding... Yeah not just like we're managing our expectations. One, this is going to be challenging for them. Two, they might get over understimulated. But three, like they're going to move through their play and need to switch what they're doing kind of frequently. Like I think sometimes we have this this magical belief that our kids are going to play for an hour straight doing one thing. But really, if our kid wants to kind of switch tasks over and over and over again, 
It doesn't mean that they're not playing. It doesn't mean that it's not working for them. Right. Yeah, I know. It's, I, I totally agree with all that. Like it, it, two things came up for me when you were saying that one is that there's the transitions that are needed in their play, whether it be like, I'm able to move my body from here to there. I'm able to like sit on the ground or stand up. They're not able to do that as easily, but then there's also the transitions that interrupt their play. So you, that are like, okay, we have to get off the plane now, or we have to rush from here to make this, like you're on more of a time schedule. So I think there's two types of transitions that, um, you know, I guess the, the ones that they want in their play and then the ones that are just hard because we're switching environments, especially if you're in, there's layovers or, you know, all that. So I think for, for both of those reasons, preparation is super beneficial when it comes to travel, you know, we're going to land soon. And when we do, we have to wait, you know, I think often I underestimate that, okay, we landed. Yay. I'm done. But that waiting period of everyone to deplane is really hard. I mean, it's not, it's hard for adults too. So you can imagine your children are like, yay, we're, why are we waiting? Like asking a hundred times, when are we going to get off? If we beforehand are like, you know, we're going to land, but look at all these rows. I'm usually like in the back, (laughs) but look at all of these rows that we need to wait. You know, that's going to feel hard. Let's think, you know, instead of packing everything up, like maybe keep something out for that period because it's often sometimes like 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, I think preparing for both, it's going to be hard to not be able to move around and maybe planning some walks preemptively on an airplane or stopping preemptively if you're on a road trip before they reach a point of like, I really just like need to get out of this place. You know, Mm -hmm. if a child reaches a point of like mentally, they might not even realize it. I want to just run around. They're not going to be satisfied with a walk just up and down the aisle. But if you do those walks before they reach a point of like, I need to get out of here, it can be super helpful. So I think preparing for those transitions is really helpful. Ooh, that's such a good point. I didn't think about that. But like, basically what I'm hearing you say is like, don't wait for the pressure to get too high. Like you need to like be like modulating that release valve of moving their bodies like regularly before they're telling you they need it. Yeah. Yes. That's really good to think about. Yeah. As we're talking, it seems like there's like so much for people to like have to remember. And so I hope whoever's listening knows that these are just us trying to cover bases and think of things, but it doesn't mean that like you're necessarily going to need to like be like, did I do this? Did I do that? But just to keep it in mind where you get into a flow with your children and their temperament where you kind of, um, you know, I think both of us, Sarah, want anyone listening to feel like they're their own expert. Um, mm-hmm. definitely yeah. more of an expert than we are on your particular children in this area. But these are just some of the things that I think we think about also with our own children. Absolutely. And I think this is really helpful because we could have just sat here and given you guys a bunch of ideas to do and we'll throw some out at the end for sure. But the, the re- I think what it's the same way I look at like parenting scripts, right? I could give people verbatim things to say to their kid when their kid's having a hard time. And maybe some of the times it'll land, but like, I know you feel the same way about scripts. It's like, you can't really have a script unless you understand the framework because a a, a one liner that works for one kid in one particular moment is not necessarily going to work for all kids in all moments. So having a collection of scripts is fine, 
But finding a framework for like how you think about the problem in the first place, how you understand what I'm looking at. Okay, I understand how child children play. And so I understand that they need to have a lot of transitional opportunities in their play. They need to change their their focus regularly. So knowing that's going to mean I'm going to bring a lot of kind of easily accessible things that are open-ended versus I'm going to bring one or two things that are closed-ended and just pray for the best, right? Right. Or, you know, just in general, this idea of like, if you understand the why, you can figure out the how. Yes. And another thing that I think you brought up that's really important is like, you got to tune to your kid. What does your kid like to play with? How do they like to play? And like, you kind of have to, so everything that everything has to has to go through the filter of like what I know about my kid, right? Like you were saying, like your kids are done with Play-Doh cupcakes, but if you bring in some figurines of their favorite like shows or characters, you might have a whole new take on Play-Doh. Um, and so you kind of got to know not just like what your kids are into, but how they like to play, I would think. Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. So we know we're going to use like this more overarching framework. We're going to try to manage our expectations. We're going to try to prepare our kids as much ahead of time for like the struggles. We're going to get real creative and we're going to know that like, there's no one right way to do this. But like, we also sometimes just want ideas. Like we need some hard, hard, concrete strategies. (laughs) Like, and you are the queen of coming up with awesome play prompts. This is like your magic. So let's... Let's give parents just some some fun ideas. Like if you are going to be stuck on a plane ride or on a long car ride, what can you, what are some ideas for like maybe a couple different age ranges? Yes. Um, one thing that I love for any age are these small metal condiment cups that if you follow me, you've seen, or if you've been to Union Square Play, but they come in a pack of 12 And they're little shiny metal cups. And what's great about them is that a young baby can mouth them or clang them. And they're not too noisy where it would be disruptive. It's like small clanging. You know, so we're talking about infants. And then toddlers might stack them. Children who are, you know, older than toddler age, like two and a half, three, you know, would maybe use them for with other materials, Play-Doh or to fill with water to paint with water, um, to sort snacks. You know, I always think of bringing Cheerios because there's so much you could do with them um, with play too. But yeah, so the metal cups are great. Post-its are also amazing. Um, Not too young of a baby because they'll want to put them in their mouth. But being able to put post-its around, um, whether it be a toddler and you have the post-its on different surfaces and your toddler is pulling them down and really engage with the sticky quality of putting it up and down, you know, taking it on and off. And then again, older children will just expand on that, maybe making patterns or, you know, covering their whole, you know, table or window, depending on if they're in a plane or car. And then some of the other creative, you know, you can go, very open-ended with just, um, you know, a watercolor palette and some paper, um, which I always love. And I like to do a paper roll, um, meaning you can get like a small roll of paper instead of just like construction paper so that you can like actually 
tape it on like the side of a car or an airplane. So it's not just in front of them, but they're able to like reach up and down and kind of exercise that gross motor movement that they so badly are going to crave after enough time Mm -hmm. just to see it. Um, Stickers and color forms. I think they call them window clings now. I don't know. We called them color forms when I was younger, but they're like, obviously regular stickers are great, but the reason I love color forms, which is like I say, window clings is they can take them on and off of the window. If you have younger kids, you can put them on and then they take them off. Older kids can figure out how to use fine motor skills to, to peel them off of the page or often they come with a book where they can make whole scenes with them. But those are really great materials that we lean, we, we lean into. Um, Poppets are a big thing now. I like using them with like M&Ms and Cheerios, like those poppet toys and like being able to make patterns with something that's edible um, and a snack is great. Um, And then what are, oh, Uno is such a great, I have a five-year-old, so she's very into Uno. I think it's like a very great, easy like card game that they can do with one other person that's so funny. Uno is like the every therapist, every child therapist has Uno in their office because it's like such a go-to, easy, simple, kind of fun, mindless game. So you can like really do play Uno with a kid while still kind of like slipping in some like questions about how right. something felt or what. Like it's just a good game. It's funny that you say Uno because it's like every right. play therapist has Uno. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. I, yeah, she's just like been very into it. There's also like, this is a game that's the spotted game. There are these like circles. It's like this new, newer game that I just learned about, but that's a great, doesn't take up a lot of room. They use physical movement that you could do like at a gate or in a hotel. Um, but yeah, sometimes those games that aren't so open-ended are, are just what you need when your child's like, all right, I'm sick of coming up with like ideas of being creative right now. I just like need yes. something to channel. Um, yeah, something mind. more structured or that has yeah. a rule or that like I can something, I know what I'm supposed to do. Like I do think there's something to be said for balancing that out. Like I love open-ended play. And also sometimes you have to kind of foil, be, do the foil, right? Like what's, what's the opposite of open-ended play? Like give their brains a little bit of like a break. Like here's some really contained thing. Yeah. I think so often people think open-ended means like not for lack of a better term, like boring or like, you know, but often they, it takes more work mentally to come up with, um, ways to play and create with something open-ended. Yeah. So they can get tired. And then I also think there's something like kind of in the middle too, with like, you know, if it's like open-ended crayons and paper, okay, that's great. But maybe I'm going to do four squiggles on this piece of paper and say, Hey, finish those squiggles and turn them into something. Or like you give them some sort of like prompt in yeah prompt or like directive, but it's still like, who knows where it will go. You're not saying, hey, we're going to draw a snowman now. We're saying, right. but you are giving them something. So it's like a little bit of like, we don't want it so open-ended that they are they have to do so much work to come up with the ideas to play. Like I love how what you do with Union Square Play or on your Instagram or all the different ways I see what you do is like you give them a starting place. Yeah. And then you let them take it from there. Yeah, like an invitation. And I think that is compelling for a child who's just like, I don't know what I want to engage, you know, the one 
yeah, at any time, but especially when you're kind of traveling and on the go. Yes. And out of their comfort zone. What are some, I always feel like, um, what are those waxy little strings oh, called? Yeah. They're called a bunch of different things, but wiki sticks. Yeah. Those are fun on airplanes because they can put them like on the tray table or on the windows if they're in a car or an airplane. Yes. Totally. We love those too. Yeah. I was just looking at them and getting, and I was thinking of like how great pipe cleaners are at an age appropriate, you know, time to, to bead, you know, like my daughter Nell loves beading, but she's three and she sees Tess making, you know, using string, which is harder for her. So using a pipe cleaner, um, which is a similar concept to the wiki sticks without being sticky, you know, but they can mold them and bend them and maneuver them. Yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's interesting too, like modifying different play materials for multiple aged kids, right? So that they're not watching some other, their, their big sister get to do all these fun things and they don't get to do them, but like modifying it so that they get to do it too, but in a way that is less frustrating for them or more accessible for them. Right. Yeah. I hope like a digestible guide to tackle holiday travel yeah. or travel at any time. You know, we don't want to go too overboard with you guys packing and planning a million things. But I think honoring who your child is, their temperament, like setting realistic expectations and then having a few of these like tangible go to's like sets you up for hopefully success. <laughs> yes. One thing that my mom always used to do, we used to, my mom is from Puerto Rico. And when we were, were little, we would always go to visit my grandparents in Puerto Rico. And it was a long flight from Minnesota to Puerto Rico. And every time we'd fly, she would take toys we already had and maybe a few new things. And she would wrap them all up in wrapping paper. So oh, that, that, and she would hand us stuff as we went on this trip, as we'd like start to lose our, lose our interest and get, get, um, and this was obviously like before there was any, you know, in-flight entertainment, no tablets, no anything. It was like the nineties. And so it was like, we would get these little wrap, these little presents to unwrap. And even if it was something like I already owned, it was my toy. Like oh, it was I always so exciting. Yeah. It's like, you know, presenting it in this really like fun and exciting way. No, I think that's great and such a good idea. Yeah. And I think, you know, people can definitely go on your Instagram and you're on TikTok now too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's lots of places where people can find like ideas and see like specific toy ideas. Did you do that collaboration with Rafi Nova? Yes, I did. And so... Yeah, and I'm going to be sharing some more updated ideas. You can definitely find some ideas. But Rafi Nova, we did a um, a collaboration with a backpack that they helped us to create with some materials inside. We're, we did just one supply, so it was really while supplies lasted. And we have a bunch at Union Square Play that we can ship out. Not so many, so I'm not like shouting it from the rooftops because it's limited. We want to make a new one, whether it be a belt bag or an updated backpack. We didn't get to it in time for the holidays, but hopefully for spring break. Um, yeah. But yes, there are a few left. That's cool. So yeah, those, I, um, I definitely was like, loved all the different things you put in it because it was basically like the Raffinova made the bag, but you created like all the stuff that went inside of it, which was like all great ideas. 
Yeah. And together it was such a great partnership, like figuring out how the backpack would be, you know, an added part of the replay, like the compartments and the zippers and what, what we can utilize with the actual backpack. Um, not just as like a vessel to hold it all. So yeah, yeah. people loved it and still love it and use it. It's great. And we use it. We'll definitely be bringing ours with us too. That's so cool. And you can, but you can also go and check that out and get ideas too, to create your own version yeah, of that. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like a little bit of the familiar, like tried and true, a little novelty, like let little look, I haven't seen this before. And then I love the idea too of like going and getting figurines of their favorite characters to like add in to like existing other yeah. elements of familiar play. They can use that anywhere and really with any material, with Play-Doh or just like at a table or at the gate, you know, in a hotel room. So yeah, that is, is something that I, we definitely, you know, are bringing with us are like new figurine sets for Frozen, which they're currently obsessed with. Um, so you can yeah. take that to whatever your child's interested in. Yeah. For my son, it's going to be Octonauts. He's really into that show right now. It's so, so funny how those figurines can take other play and turn it into like a new, give it a new life. I know. It really and is. And as they get older, they're wanting to have like more representative play. Is, yeah. It's interesting. Right? In, my, our yeah. kids are the same age. So I'm starting to see this new oh, level yeah. of play and like my son's play. So where I, your your play prompts are so perfect for me because I just watch and like I'm like what are you doing how can I match this yeah and so you know people that's why I say like I've been updating what you can do because what I shared when they were so much younger you know we're still building on but that's still up there too even if now I'm like saying um you know a bunch of ideas that might be a little bit older than some of the, you know, people listening. Yeah. And I also think like, I just want to make sure that it's very clear. Like you guys have to do what works for you and what works for your kids. And it's still okay. Like, I think it's great to have a mix, right? Play is my first step when I'm traveling with my kids. It's the first thing I offer, but I also am okay giving them a screen. And I have, we have like tablets that we bust out for travel because sometimes that's just what they need and what I need for myself as a parent who's also traveling. And like, I don't want to be facilitating a lot of this stuff all the time, the whole time. Like, I think as parents, we have to remember, like we have bandwidth too. It's not just our kids that are traveling and who are stressed. And we, I don't want people to listen to this and feel like, oh, this is so unattainable. Like I'm never going to be able to do all this. So I'm just going to do screens the whole time. Or I can't do screens at all. I have to do this the whole time. Like, I think you can right. find a balance. It should be much more like, yeah, fluid and like what you need for your child. We definitely sometimes use them. Yeah, it's just what works for you. And and I think not doing all in on one specific thing and having a, a, as much of a variety to not make, you know, drive you crazy that you're like overdoing it or bringing way too much is is what I think we both want people to leave with, you know, finding what works for you. Yes. And hopefully you can take some inspiration from this conversation and some ideas. Yeah. And I think also for people who are like, my kid is so used to doing screens the entire time. Like that's what they're used to for travel that I could never introduce play because they would reject it. Like I would 
challenge you to, to not assume that your kid, if they're used to screens, it might be a, it might be a hurdle to present something different, but But don't assume they can't. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, I'm curious if you have anything to say to parents who maybe are like, oh my God, I could, my kid could never handle playing on travel days because they're so used to having a screen the whole time. Yeah. And that's why I was saying that like when you see my kids playing and things like, oh, my child would engage with that for just a second that, and anything that I share, a lot of times parents are like, oh, it's too late. We've already done done this or that, that it's never too late. And it's sort of like building on this idea that maybe I should just expect like a few minutes of play with this, but there's something cool about being creative with a child who's just expecting you to hand over a tablet and maybe, you know, preparing them ahead of time. We're going to put the tablets in the overhead compartment. So we're not going to have access to them until a certain time on the plane. What are some things that we can pack for before that, you know, and kind of being in it with them. Like I'm, my phone's going to be away too. Like let's come up with like, let's bring Uno and play together. I think, you know, eventually you can probably put a material in front of them and not feel like it has to be, with you necessarily if there's no tablet. But I think initially to start just thinking about doing that in kind of baby steps, you know, Mm -hmm. not just immediately expecting your child to just like run at materials that they haven't engaged with or, or to just like play endlessly when they are used to a tablet. And I think also not surprising them with this like new um, way that they're supposed to kind of stay busy. Yeah. I think that's really helpful and very permission giving for everyone, what, everyone at every stage. Oh, thank you so much for coming of on course. and sharing this with us. If people want to learn more, we'll put all your links in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about the work you're doing or where they can find some of these like ideas or get inspiration, like where can they find you? Yes, please. We're going to be sharing ideas on our Union Square Play account at Union Square Play for Instagram. And also you can subscribe to our newsletter at unionsquareplay.com where we're going to send out ideas of things you could do at home if you're not going away. And then my personal Instagram and resource for parents based on my own personal journey and kind of educational background is at Jenny Moness. Um, two N's in Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E and in Moness, M-O-N-N-E-S-S. Um, and yeah, I think in combination you'll be equipped and by listening to this too. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much and happy holidays. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. I really hope this episode helps you go off on any trips you have planned with a bit more confidence. And I want to thank you so much for spending this year with me. 2022 has been the first full year of weekly Securely Attached episodes. And it has been an absolute privilege to have spent this first year getting to know you. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen, to write in your questions, and to review the podcast. I have loved every minute of getting to interact with this community of supportive, compassionate, and dedicated parents. Parenting isn't easy. And I really hope you end this year showing yourself some self-love and profound gratitude. If there are more topics you want to hear about in the new year or questions you want me to answer on the show, you can always DM me on Instagram at Dr. Sarah Bren or email me at sarah at drsarahbren.com. 
happy holidays and see you in 2023. And don't be a stranger. <laughs>